0: I'd like you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7 as we conclude our series on the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus had been preaching to this crowd who had been looking for a revolutionary to overthrow the Romans, but they were not expecting to hear exactly what they heard. The lofty ideals of God's Word was not what they thought they were going to hear, and God had turned their world upside down to the point that they are now asking, as we saw last week, how can I possibly fulfill the ideals that God has set for me? And that's why Jesus, and we learned last week, that's why Jesus asked them to ask, seek, knock, because in your own strength, you cannot be the loving person Christ has asked you to be. In your own strength, you cannot love your enemies. And Christ asks us, ask, seek, knock we will be transformed to His likeness. And He gave us that golden rule that basically summarizes the Sermon on the Mount. It says, treat others as you would want to be treated. And then He invited each and every one of us to enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the path that leads to destruction. And unfortunately and sadly, He had to say, and many will enter through that gate. And yet before he closes this powerful sermon, he gives his audience a warning that we would do well to heed and to pay attention to. Beginning in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. I ask you to have your Bibles with you because we are going to go to other verses in Scripture. He says in Matthew 7:15, beware, right? He just gave them the lofty ideals, he invited them to ask for the Holy Spirit to treat others as they would want to be treated. But then he warns them, Beware of false prophets. Beware of false prophets. Now listen to this. This isn't a call to avoid all prophets, but the false ones. The implication is that if there are false prophets, then the implication is that there will be true prophets. But here he's talking about false prophets. He says, Beware of false prophets. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Who come to you in sheep's clothing, they look the part, they act the part, but inside there are ravenous wolves. They look the part inside, but they tear churches apart. He says, you will know them by their fruits. Now, those of you who like the garden, you realize that if you plant a mango tree today, you're not going to get mango fruit tomorrow. Right. If you plant an apple tree today, you're not going to have an apple tree, eat apples tomorrow. The reality is here, it's that sometimes it takes a while to notice who the ravenous wolves are. But eventually, in due time, their fruit will bear. If you plant the mango tree and you get apples, you realize somewhere you made a mistake. You will know them by their fruits. Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles, are they? So every good tree bears good fruit. Once again, if a good person is starting in Christ, it's going to be a while till the fruits are nice and ripe and edible. Because if you pick a fruit too soon and try to eat it, it's not going to taste good. Don't expect too much from baby Christians. Be patient with them. Let them grow in Christ. And eventually that fruit will be so ripe with the juice of the Holy Spirit that you will see That God has been in their life. So every good tree bears good fruit. But the bad trees bears bad fruit. God makes it clear. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit. Nor a bad tree produce good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit. Is cut down and thrown into the fire. As we said it takes time for a tree to bear fruit. So an occasional bad day is forgivable. But in due time, more and more people will recognize the fruit of poison of these ravenous wolves. That the fruits are not conducive of a follower of Jesus Christ. You will know them by their fruit. Turn with me to the book of Galatians chapter 5. The book of Galatians chapter 5. The book of Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to read it from my manuscript. I'm not going to turn my Bible, but if you can go there. Galatians chapter 5. Beginning in verse 19. It says, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident. He's speaking about the fruit of bad people. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of angers, dispute, dissension, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, so these aren't the only ones, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know what your version says in verse 21, but I am I preach from the New American Standard Bible. My Bible says the word, those who practice such things. So I'm not talking about an occasional bad day. This is talking about somebody whose life is lived this way. They practice this. If I trip, that's a mistake. But if I walk around falling, that is practice. So these people are practicing this type of behavior. And part of the behavior mentioned, not mentioned here is being a hypocrite. They come to church, they put the nice face on, but in the world, of, in their family, they act like ravenous wolves. And this is not an occasional bad day with your spouse or your children, but this is a practice and habitual act that they do. So remember that word, at least in my version, but any version will kind of give you the same idea. Remember the word practice because we're not going to come back to it. Continue reading. In verse 22, he says, But, right, in light of what we just saw of bad fruit, but the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, the goodness of God, faithfulness. All my life, he has been faithful, gentleness, self control against, listen, against such thing there is no law. If you live like this, do you ever worry about the law of God? No, because you're living like this. Now those, verse 24, though, because we're going to go back to Matthew here in a second. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, if we live by the Spirit of God who is producing these juicy fruits in us, if we live by the Spirit of God, then let us also walk by the Spirit of God. I could substitute the word, let us practice the Spirit of God. Right? Because can two walk together unless they be agreed? The answer in the Bible is no. You cannot walk with Jesus while holding hands with the devil. You can't do it. You may think you're doing it. You may think we're cool, but it's not. Can two walk together, lest they be agreed? Commentary says this, Those who truly love the Lord are fully surrendered to His will. To His will need have no fear of being led astray if they obey the voice of their shepherd. Right? You don't have to worry about false prophets if your voice is in tune with the voice of the shepherd, with the voice of God speaking to their souls day by day through His word and through the counsel He has given, in the great hour of testing that lies ahead, only those who know the truth and love it will be secure against the deceptions. Love the word of God. I saw a... Quote this week by Charles Spurgeon that says, Visit many books, live in the Bible. Visit many books, but live in the Word of God. So we go back to the book of Matthew. In verse 20, he says, So then you will know them by their fruits. Fruit takes time. And I hope you don't find out the bad fruit after you married them. Seriously, that's why it's important that we are surrendered to God at the beginning of any relationship, whether it be a marriage relationship or a business partnership. I don't recommend a business partnership with unbelievers. Dave Ramsey likes to say, what ship is the only ship that doesn't sail? A partnership. We have to remain faithful to God. So the Bible says, so you will then know them by their fruit. It's not a maybe, it's not a... You will know them by their fruit if you are faithful to God. How then will we know? To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Cease listening to instruction, my son, the Bible says, and you will stray from the word of knowledge. That was from Isaiah 8.20 and Proverbs 19. So listen now. So Jesus addresses the, the ones that you have to worry about outside, right? False prophets. He addresses false prophets, those who are outside that seek to destroy and deceive you. Those that are outside of the community of faith. Those that are the others. But now Jesus turns addresses the self-deception that may be found. Now Jesus turns to address the potential for self Look at verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. He who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. We are saved by grace and by grace alone. But doing demonstrates the reality of the salvation you have accepted. It doesn't merit us, heaven. But because he has been so faithful to me, I want to follow him wherever he may go or wherever he may leave. We are saved by grace, but the doing demonstrates the reality of that salvation. James tells us that faith without works is dead and many Christians are dead, sadly, on arrival. Verse 22, many will say to me on that day, on judgment day, when When God comes in glory, when we are standing before the white throne of judgment, when we are there face to face with the one we cannot lie to, We can lie to our hearts, but we can't lie to him. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Lord, we preached at the woodlands. We sang in the choir. We served at potluck. We led out in ministries. We helped in the church in different departments. None of that will help us if the fruit of your heart is not surrendered to Jesus Christ. The worst words any of us could ever hear on that day. Then Christ says, then I will declare to them, Lord, but I knew you. I knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. I preached thousands of sermons in your name. I led in potluck called Sabbath school. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. There's that word we saw in Galatians. A habit. And you know what's wrong with a habit? That sometimes it becomes so habitual you no longer even know you. The first violation of conscience makes the second violation of conscience easier. By the time you get to the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, and the tenth, you begin to no longer recognize the violation of your conscience. It is the people who practice lawlessness. not us who commit the occasional sin because of our weakness but these are people who are habitually practicing lawlessness that will be told by Jesus. I thought you knew him. The buzzword in society today, love everybody. Love is love. Then why didn't Jesus say to them, depart from me, you who are not loving? Or why didn't he say, depart from me, you who are unfaithful or neglectful or selfish or unmerciful or inhospitable? or indifferent or disobedient. Before we answer that though, let's look at some verses that will help us get to the answer. Can you go to the slide? said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two what? commandments depend the whole law and the prophets Jesus himself says if you love me if you love me it's conditional you don't have to love me but if you love me because free will is a thing if you love me what keep my commandments if you keep my commandments Right Now he's reversing the order. Right, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. He goes on to say, Jesus answered and said to them, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word or my commandments, it can translate, and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our abode with him. And now look at the last one. And this is love. If you start that way, then what follows shows you what true love is. Yes or no, right? And this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. And this is the commandment, just as you have heard from the beginning, that you should walk in it or in them. So we have to walk holding hands only with Christ. And we must practice the law of God, not because it merits our salvation, because it reveals that we have been saved by the grace of God. So this is love, that we walk according to His commandments. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. One I didn't put on the screen, First John 2, 4. The one who says, I have come to know Him, Right, They claim, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? They claim to know him, but Jesus doesn't know them. He says, those who say I have come to know him and does not keep his commandment. Listen, is a liar and the truth is not in them. It's a liar, bad fruit, and the truth is not in them. False prophet. Therefore, light of what we just saw from Jesus' own words and then in the epistle of John. Therefore, when Jesus says, depart from me, you who practice lawlessness, because we can't know, it's because we cannot know love unless we know the law of God. You cannot love correctly your spouse, your children, the church, God himself, unless you know God's commandments, and we see it in society today. We have sin abounding because we have forgotten the law of God. We have marriages between men and men and women and women because we have forgotten that God's law says not to. Love is not love if it is not according to the word of God. We have maps, and I'm not talking about Google Maps or Apple Maps, minor attracted people because we have forgotten God's commandment which says what is true love. Society loves drugs, hedonism, narcissism, polygamy, violence, apathy, vulgarity, because they have forgotten the law of God. We don't know how to truly love each other because we have forgotten the law of God. The world would rather be politically correct than to risk becoming an enemy for telling someone the truth. Paul says in Galatians 4.16, Have I now become your enemy for telling you the truth? Have I now become the one you think that hates you because I have told you about the love and commandments of God? I'd rather you be my enemy, and in the end we can laugh it off in the kingdom than me to stand by and not say nothing about your walk with the Lord. Everybody wants to claim love. We just want to love each other. they are practicing lawlessness. And Jesus is going to say, and this is love. That we walk according to his command. He doesn't say, depart from me those who practice unloving. Those who practice lawlessness. Because you cannot love unless you know the law of God. The first verse said, love God with all your heart. and the entire law of God. The true love is knowing the law of God. Or he says, therefore, everyone who hears the words of mine acts on them. Not just hears, but acts on them, lives them, practices them. May be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and slammed against that house. And yet it did not fall, for I had been found on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them, be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. would be good for a human to be able to read them. Not because we would tend to you. I'll give a converted man or woman the benefit of the doubt. The burden would be too heavy. I look at the faces around me, and I don't know who's saved and who's not. The fruits look great. But I'm not the judger of the fruit. Christ is. And the worst thing for me as the minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to look at one of your faces and not see them in the kingdom of God later on. So whatever is in your life, if you're practicing things that shouldn't be practiced in the privacy of your homes, I invite you to surrender now before you can no longer hear the still, small voice of God's Spirit asking you to surrender. Jesus finishes this wonderful sermon with a stark reality that you have to build your whole entire life on the foundation of His Word that leads you to a personal relationship with Him. Nothing else matters. Nothing. And some of you are going to be lost. And I'm not talking about specifically. I'm talking about in Christianity in general. For dumb things. I can't give up pornography. In the power of Christ, I can do all things that strengthen me. I can't give up drugs. I can't give up fornication. Fornication in light of eternity. Sin is the only thing that will make you think that is better than eternity. So what is the sin that besets us? For some, it will be as simple as returning tithing off. You know, Jesus says you can't love God or women. No, that's not what he said. He says you cannot love God or fast cars or nice houses. No, he says you cannot love you cannot worship God or money. For some, it's going to be money. You're going to lose out on the riches of heaven because of 10% of your income. I used to shy away about speaking about money because, you know, it's personal. It's people's thing. But I'm going to preach about money next week. And it's not just about you giving me my money, your money to the church, because I don't get it. It's about you returning what God has asked you to return to him, not to me. I don't see any dime of the tithe money from this church Or the offering for that matter Yes, I get paid But it's a collection of pulled money from all over the church And some of you may or may not know I'm not full-time here I'm part-time So that's even less money, I see But I don't want you to be lost for, for money Or for any other besetting sin There's nothing That is worth losing salvation for. Nothing. How much? Nothing. But Jesus has given us the way out. Build your house on the rock of Jesus Christ. Matthew tells us when Jesus had finished these words. The crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one having authority and not as a scribe. That's why I only preach from the Word of God. Because it's not about me. It's about the Word of God. And what the Word of God says will be the judge of our lives at the end. It's about Him and His Word. Don't take it up with the pastor. A pastor is only going to appoint you to Christ and His Word. If you have issues with God's Word, then surrender. Let it break you. Let the rock fall upon you and break you. Because you don't want to hear the words, I never knew you. You don't. But Jesus practiced what he preached. And when he hung on the cross for you and for me, it's because he knew the law could not be skirted. And no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. He was the law embodiment. And he was love embodiment. At the cross, righteousness and peace kissed. And saved each and every one of us. So he's not asking you to do something he hasn't done. Are you willing to surrender and die to self? Crucify your flesh to be one with Christ. And the best word you'll ever hear is come in. My good and faithful servant. You were faithful in little. And now inherit the kingdom of God. We are going to be given the throne of God. Just read Revelation chapter 3. Those who overcome will, will sit on the throne of God. What the devil wanted by force, we're going to get by the grace of God. Don't miss it for this world. Don't. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love. Thank you for this sermon that's meant so much to me, the Sermon of the Mount, not my own words, Lord but you have convicted me that I need more and more of you. We have made it all about ministries and not about you like the song says. We need you and we need the outpouring of your spirit that you have promised on the Seventh-day Adventist Church of the Woodland. It's about time we finish the mission you have given. And may all here who are listening to me live and online may hear the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. In your son's name we pray. Amen.